your source for community. Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Touching the Past with your host, Trisha Markle. Hello, my name is Trisha Markle and welcome to Touching the Past, a program where we explore this area's heritage, its past and not too distant past. Today my guest is a fellow host on Hunters Bay Radio with his program Boyer's Modern History of Muskoka and obviously that means Patrick Boyer is my guest today. Patrick and his family have a long history with Muskoka. His grandfather George had a radio show his father, Robert, represented Muskoka as our MPP and was also a local author. Now Patrick is a truly Renaissance man. He has a degree in economics and political science, a master's in Canadian history, and a Doctor of Laws degree from the University of Toronto. And that's just the start of his educational accomplishments. Patrick followed in his father's footsteps, but became an MP for Etobicoke is a journalist, author, and book publisher, and I don't believe he's ever stopped researching and writing, and we are so glad he hasn't, as he's giving us a wonderful record of Muskoka heritage. I don't know how you find the time, Patrick, as you also speak as, at many places, and actually, that's where we became acquainted, as you were the first speaker at the inaugural meeting of the Huntsville and Area Historical Society back in 2012. There's so many topics we could discuss, your books, local heritage. So where do we start? Welcome to Touching the Past, Patrick, and it's over to you. <laughs> well, it's a real joy being here with you, uh, Patricia, and uh, this great program, Touching the Past, is, uh, of course, one half of the equation of uh, the, the slogan, the theme of uh, this great town of Huntsville, uh, em- embrace the past and touch the future, touch the past, embrace the future. And, and that really is a spirit that, since it's in, from its inception, uh, has kept this town together and advancing and pro- progressing through ups and downs. So uh, the, the reason that we want to uh, uh, touch the past and connect with what has already happened is that it's, uh, it's about the same reason that we have a, a rearview mirror in, in a, when we're driving a car. It's, it's nice to know what's coming up behind you because a lot of the things that were happening today uh, in our district, uh, across the country and around the world uh, are not spontaneous events. They're the result of uh, uh, events that have been accumulating and developing in past history. And so we need to be mindful of the context in which we're, we're living uh, here in Muskoka. And that's why I'm writing a lot of books that actually place this, uh, the events of our district uh, in context. I, I always remember reading something, and it stayed with me, is the fact that you will never know the future unless you understand the past. That's a, that's a great way of putting it, because, uh, you know, people, people want to find out about their family and so on, so they start doing research, right? Uh, mostly, you know. mostly when they become grandparents. For some reason, that seems to be the tipping point. I have grandchildren. I need to let them know where we came from. Yes, and, and I've seen people writing memoirs, uh, and they say, well, it's for the kids and the grandkids. And, and so 
it may just be the truth that, that as we advance through life, we start to appreciate more the depth of of the of the experience that that has produced us, and so with whether it's on ancestry.ca or or at public uh, records here, say in the Muskoka room at the um, Huntsville Public Library, people are digging in and trying to find where they came from. Well, it's the same for the town and the district and the province and the country, North America and the world. We there's so much that's in our past that really. Uh, determines uh, the events that are are current. <laughs> right now, I'm I'm writing an article for uh, one of the Muskoka magazines, Unique Muskoka, on the Prohibition era, which was a century ago, right, the 1920s, uh, Prohibition across Canada and in the United States. So it was basically a continent-wide uh, period without alcoholic beverages. But the thing is. Most people don't they think of American prohibition, and I don't know whether a lot of them realize that it was Canadian as well. Well, in, in fact, this was a case where uh, it, it was pretty complete across Canada before the it, it took effect in the United States. It was January 20th, 1920, that the 18th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution took effect. And uh, it was called the Noble Experiment. Uh, it was going to be the better society where people were not stumbling around intoxicated and uh, creating problems in industry and in their homes and families and all the rest of it. So, and, and in fact, here in Huntsville, there were great rallies. The uh, uh, Women's Christian Temperance Union, uh, the first time that it, they held the biggest conference was here in Huntsville. Um, all the church women were particularly involved. And uh, so this was actually a grassroots movement that had been developing. Now, the reason I mentioned that at all is to say that when uh, prohibition came into force in Ontario in, during the war, actually, in 1916, and then renewed by the people in a referendum in 1919, and it continued through the 20s, um, there was prior history to that. See, Gravenhurst was started by uh, Mickey McCabe, and he he and, and the town was initially called McCabe's Landing, uh, and he had a tavern. And up at Bracebridge, uh, the first two buildings there uh, were hotels, tavern. It was tavern, and a, and then ultimately, within twenty years, there were five hotels all with liquor licenses, as well as uh, liquor stores on the main street. However, Huntsville was founded by uh, Captain George Hunt, who wanted to establish a new community on sound Christian principles, uh, to quote him. And one of those principles was um, abstinence, no, no, no consumption of beverage, alcohol, temperance, prohibition. So... So when these, when prohibition came into effect broadly across the entire province, some communities were already pretty well set in that culture, Huntsville, North Muskoka being one, but Central and South Muskoka, no, not. So this is why we see prohibition in Muskoka, it goes kind of from, from, uh, wet to dry to damp because <laughs> because even places like uh, 
big one in that uh, C.O. Shaw, the great North Muskoka industrialist and, uh, with uh, owning and operating the tanneries here and in Bracebridge and, uh, and shipping the, the steamship lines on, on the lakes here and over in Lake of Bays. Um, he, he was, um, he was temperance man. He, he did not favor, uh, beverage alcohol and coming to this community. He, he implemented that policy when he opened big one in, in 1920, it was dry. Uh, the, the mayor, uh, the publisher of the Huntsville Forester and, and, and frequently mayor of, of the town, Harmon Rice, he was also a prohibitionist. Um, and uh, so with, with Captain Hunt and with C.O. Shaw and with Harmon Rice, you, you, you get, you know, through industry, <laughs> through the newspapers, <laughs> through the municipal council, uh, the, and through the founding of, of Huntsville with Captain Hunt. I mean, the deeds to the plots that he was selling to homesteaders were uh, had a provision in them that... Uh, no alcoholic beverages could be uh, sold or consumed on the on the property. That's why. That's the joke. That's why the town built up on the other side of the river. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and that's that's actually an interesting thing. I worked on a newspaper out in North Battleford, and uh, it was a big going concern. And across the river in Battleford itself, across the Saskatchewan River, was Battleford, the capital of town. You know the the. And that's where the courthouse was, so I had to go over there and report on court cases. But very few, there was, and there was a metal hospital, uh, but hardly anything else over in Battleford itself. So I said, well, how come there's all this development here in North Battleford? Well, people just didn't want to pay the Canadian Pacific Railway such an exorbitant fee for a lot when they could come over on this side of the river and get it virtually free. And, and so... There's always the self-interest of individuals who have to look out for themselves and say, am I going to saddle myself with a big bill for the property I'm getting? Am I going to saddle myself with a covenant that says I can't drink or have a drink on my property? And so these things actually work out at the local level in a, in a very effective and efficient way. But then you stand back and say what you just did, which is so true. <laughs> the development of Huntsville was both implementing prohibition and reacting against it. I love these programs because I just never know what direction we're going to take. <laughs> Who'd have thought we'd have been talking liquor, you know, right off the bat? <laughs> I know. Well, this is, this is it. Uh, and uh, the discussion can go in any direction. But And we will take a break right now. And we'll see where the discussion leads us in a few moments. We'll be right back with Touching the Past. By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Touching the Past with your host, Trisha Markle. Welcome back to Touching the Past. This morning, I'm talking to Patrick Boyer. And we're having wonderful conversation and I'm not sure what direction we're going to take in this second part, but I will leave it up to Patrick to take the lead as he has so many interesting stories and tales, particularly of Muskoka, that he can expound on. 
it's up to you now, Patrick. Well, well, thank you for the open invitation, Trisha. <laughs> Have we got it all day? Yeah. Uh, maybe a couple of points would be really important. Uh, one is the concept of Muskoka as a district. And I now refer in, a, in that book that uh, you have there in front of you, put, putting Muskoka on the map from indigenous wayfinding to satellite Im- imaging. So this is a book that goes from uh, thousands of years back up to the very present day in the Muskoka Geo a Hub map. Um, in there, I talk about greater Muskoka because there was a time such as as in uh, 1868, when the Ontario legislature passed the uh, Free Grant and Homestead Act, that uh, boundaries were written, were drawn on a map, even before they were surveyed on the ground, across east to west of the sections of land north of the Severn River up to Lake Nipissing. And Anybody, when you go out and look at this territory or you see it from outer space or even flying over in an airplane, it's all contiguous part of the Canadian shield. But, in fact, there's a boundary between Muskoka and Perry Sound and between Perry Sound and Nipissing. And those were artificial boundaries. Indigenous people did not uh, limit themselves to those kinds of lines, and they had a much more integrated approach uh, to the whole area of, from Georgian Bay south down and, and further north, to all inland from that coast. And the reason I go back to that, uh, Tricia, is that the boundary for Muskoka District uh, seems to have become so elastic as to be meaningless. We've been connected with Perry Sound for electoral representation federally and provincially. We've been connected with Perry Sound and more recently also with Simcoe for the administration of justice. We've been connected with Halliburton County for education in the Trillium Lakeland District. We've been connected with Simcoe for uh, medical also with for social and community services. So the fact is that if you're looking down on Muskoka from a map or the airplane, yeah, you can say, oh, yes, those are the boundaries of the district. But if you are looking horizontally, it, there are, and you see that we have been spread out into all of these surrounding areas. This is the greater territorial Muskoka, but there's also a greater Muskoka in, in, in time, the linear, the development from indigenous times through to the present. So that's one thing I think we need to recognize that Muskoka is more than just the land because it, the, the, that's within those 1868 boundaries. And it's also more because this is a far-famed district. From the 1870s and 80s, Muskoka was already being recognized as a place to go because it was where you could escape the polluted and congested cities of southern Ontario and the northern tier of American states and get conveniently to this most southerly outcropping of the Canadian shield. And, so, and even now, I know um, 
not this last trip, but the trip before, get to the station in the UK, the doors open, and the first thing I see is visit Muskoka, Canada. <laughs> well, there you go. Thank so so, so that's, I'm glad you say that because this is the reality, and, and Muskoka is that term far famed. Prime Minister Robert Borden said that, used that expression in Port Carling when he was speaking to the Muskoka Lakes Association regatta in July of 1914. He and his wife, Laura, were back in Muskoka for another summer to stay at the Royal Muskoka, and they were hoping to spend a month in Muskoka. And, uh, of course, he had to go back to Ottawa because World War I broke out. Um, but the other thing I'd like to mention, apart from this rethinking of what Muskoka District really is um, and the mystique that exists about Muskoka uh, is is the sense of uh, the Huntsville and its preservation of heritage and living with heritage. Uh, for example, uh, the Pioneer Village and, and all that has happened with that with that adding of the Portage Railway, the flyer, adding of the uh, mu- the museum uh, exhibits and the archives. Uh, this is a real treasure and an important asset uh, that allows people coming from far and wide as well as local people to touch the past. And there's a great connection with the Huntsville Public Library, which has a Muskoka collection. Now, it's a shocking reality that the Skoka District, of all Ontario's counties and districts, is the only one that does not have a public archive. And this has been one of my biggest bugbears. I just, it just drives me crazy. I was several years uh, on the Heritage Committee, and each year I was tasked with investigating having a, an archives in Muskoka. So, and it would just go so from flat. Your, from from your experience, why did it go flat? Mostly, I think it was finances, but it it shouldn't just be a money thing. There's much more involved in having an archive. Well, you'd have to think if it was only a money thing, then uh, why would Muskoka not have it? Because every other district, as well as every other county, has a public archives. It may, in fact, come to an attitude on the part of municipal councils that uh, they can't agree about it. They don't want I have myself been involved uh, with the Muskoka Heritage Foundation when Ken Black was chair of it. We tried then and on three other, two other occasions to establish a Muskoka Public Archives. The, the fact is that the libraries have done a, a good job of trying to fill the gap, but their their collections are basically books, documents, photographs, uh, very good, but uh, wonderful, in fact. But they're not archives. And every, no. every month there's a dumpster uh, in the laneway of some house out in the country or some building uh, where, you know, there's been a, end of a generation and uh, uh, all kinds of heritage articles are and records are, are going into landfill and we're losing a lot of heritage because of that and so this is a an issue you care about i do a lot of people do 
and uh, we it's a it's it's an issue that needs to be addressed in our district. It certainly does. I mean, you did mention that the libraries are doing an excellent job, but it's kind of disjointed because it's not just Huntsville history, Bracebridge history, Gravenhurst. It's Muskoka. The whole area is so intertwined with its heritage that you need one place. Plus, as you say, the there's all kinds of um, paperwork still. Yes, there's, there's, you're, you're absolutely right. We need to think of being Muskokans. I grew up in a family where we published a newspaper every week. It was called the Muskoka Herald. Herald is great. It's mm-hmm. making an announcement. But the concept was the district. All the other papers were named for their towns. And uh, that later we bought out the Bracebridge Gazette. It became the Herald Gazette. And it's now out of business. It was closed. But, and all the papers that uh, still are operating in paper printed a form are owned by the uh, Toronto Star Organization. So it's not really local anymore. So we've got issues that are alive, but we also have a great heritage that is worth continuing to define and, and, and represent. And that's why your program is so important here, Trisha, why I'm writing these books and why listeners are, are listening to this and nodding in agreement. <laughs> well, we hope they are. Well, you brought the subject of your books up and I have three Right here, three, I believe, your most recent. You also, you'd already mentioned, <clears throat> excuse me, putting Muskoka on the map. There's Muskoka Heritage Nuggets, which I believe is the most recent. And there is also uh, Muskokans Fight the Great War. Now, these are three amazing books. I have to be honest, I haven't read them yet, but I have flipped through them. I bought my two boys copies of them. And... um where could people purchase them? Well, the, the, these books are available uh, online at muskokabooks.ca. They're also available in bookstores. So, for example, in uh, in Huntsville at uh, Muskoka Heritage Place and the great new bookstore, uh, Cedar Canoe Books on the main street. Uh, in Bracebridge, there, uh, there's a bookstore within Veranda on the main street that sells them. Gravenhurst uh, at the Muskoka Discovery Center in uh, Aurelia at Manticore Books uh, in Toronto at Ben McNally Books. So, Well, they're certainly readily available for those that, and I really would suggest to people that they do go out and look for them because they're, they're an easy read. They're not not very dry historical. They're, they're interesting to read. I've read other of, of Patrick's books. Now, I'm going to call this part one because Patrick and I, I'm sure, have so many things to discuss with Heritage of Muskoka that I'm hoping that Patrick will return soon and we can do a part two. This has been Tricia for Touching the Past on Hunters Bay Radio 88.7. Please join us next time when we explore more of Huntsville and area's heritage. <laughs>